0: What, this was four years ago? Just about. Just about four years ago, we had decided like we were working this like tr- crazy hours between the both of us. Nikki was working for the Department of Education, um, and I was working way up in Lawrenceville. And mm-hmm. I was maybe getting, because it was 40 miles each way from my mm-hmm. commute. So I was maybe getting 30 minutes of FaceTime with the kids every a day. A newborn. A newborn at that. <laughs> and right? a four year old. And so I had a stressed out wife who I wasn't present enough to be there for her. I had kids who weren't seeing me. And then I could just see the stress on all of our faces. Like, and it was weird because like on paper, we were doing the best we had ever done, right? Mm -hmm. Financially, we were doing the best we ever done. Like career wise, we were doing the best we had ever done. But just being at home, it just felt like we were at the worst that we were because we just weren't able to spend time with each other. So, we said that, you know what, it wasn't working. And we went off and decided we were going to go on a retreat and come up with a new life plan, right? And <laughs> new <laughs>
1: that's life. Yeah. That's it. We need a
0: new life. <laughs> exactly. Like this is just not working for us. And
1: we decided from the
0: beginning we were going to do it together. So, so we had to come up with a new plan. Exactly. So we dropped the kids off at the in-laws and we went and got ourselves an Airbnb and locked ourselves in there for what was it, three, three days? days, three days, locked ourselves in there, we whiteboarded out this entire new vision for where we were going to go. <laughs> right. And in that we decided that, you know, we were going to invest our time in each, in each other and we wanted to do something as a business, as a family. Meanwhile, Salah had been asking us to write this children's book, right? She had been pestering to write the book. And like, we just were so busy. We just were like, you know, here's a paper, and a pencil, like, go draw something, right? And
1: <laughs> <laughs> what does she know about writing a book? I mean, she's, real four. She's, she's four. She's four years old. at right? this time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She, yeah.
2: You got to bring
3: up our fight. I mean, I'm usually right, but that's (laughs) It's not
2: going to happen. Never, no way.
3: Let's go back. Don't share that story. Hang on, did I go too fast? You
2: just jumped to purpose, which is you. You're a visionary. I see your connection here.
3: (laughs) Love or work. Welcome to the Love Work podcast. This is Jeff. And I'm Andre. It's good to be back in the studio with you today, honey. Yes. Exciting time. Back at it. Still, Still learning from people.
2: Still learning. Always learning. Today we got a great podcast.
3: Oh. A great one. A great. Mm-hmm. Remember the remember the couple that said let's make marriage great again? Yeah. That they were my, awesome. They were great. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they were
3: great too, huh? Let's get right to
2: it. All right, so today we have Nicole and Khalil Thompson and they are just entrepreneurs. They got a bunch of projects, but one that they started with their 7-year-old daughter writing a book called Penelope the Pirate Princess. And uh, a lot
3: of peas. Listen, plywood people, I I like the peas, but they went another level.
2: They did. And it was all Salah. It was all her, their daughter. So you can look them up. It's at Penelope, the pirate princess, or you can go to their website and buy the book there at theauthenticprincess.com. Yeah. And actually, they um, have a lot of resources there and things that you can do along with the book with your kids. Yeah, um, really I, I really cool. love
3: the fact that, you know, as we have been on a journey trying to find books that, that exemplify diversity yeah. for our daughter. I mean, mm. this is an example where that can be celebrated.
2: Yes, and it's a wonderful, creative book. And then they also have a new project that they've started called Amplify Love. You can look them up on social at Let's Amplify Love. And it is a beautiful project that's really trying to amplify authentic voices in the black community and really just seeing each other as humans and understanding and, you know, the pain and the stories from the African-American community. Yes. And inviting
3: people into the conversation. Yes. Which is really great. We're going to hear all about it in this podcast. I don't want to give it all away right now.
2: Yes, but you definitely need to go look them up. For sure. Yes, for sure. So here we go. What should we be listening for?
3: Oh, you were kind. Of, I tricked I, you. you I tricked
2: here. you. You thought I was going to forget. Um, number one,
3: 6 a.m. walks. Mm-hmm. Number two, galaxy star slime. <laughs> okay. And number three, <laughs> we ask a question that we ask everyone, but this is like work with your partner and your kids. How do you make all this stuff happen? How do you make your kids dream? We're going to learn all about it right now. Here we go. Nicole and Khalil Thompson.
0: So there's the real story, then there's revisionist history. So it depends on which one you heard.
3: (laughs) He brought a little Malcolm Gladwell in here.
0: Revisionist history.
1: I'll let him tell his, his story, his version of the story first.
0: So we met. What this was thirteen years ago now? Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness, I'm getting old. Thirteen years ago we met. um, I was going into Borders bookstore in Buckhead, like that was right across Amtrak station, when Borders was still a thing, when bookstores were still a thing. Um, And I was meeting with one of my friends. Uh, We were planning an event, and uh, as I was walking in, I saw her walking out, and she was dressed in all this pink and. I was just like, oh, she had a laptop underneath her arm. I was like, oh, she probably doesn't trust anybody. I bet she I go upstairs, there's gonna be a bunch of pink stuff sitting up there, and that's where she's gonna be sitting. So sure enough, I go upstairs to the little coffee shop there, and there's this big bunch of pink stuff sitting all over there. And so he
1: decided to stake out my table till I came back.
0: I I sat close enough to observe, but not close enough to be weird. And you know, so so. Saw her over there, but then it turns out my friend knew Nicole. He was a client of hers at an old law firm that she had worked at, and he introduced us to each other. Um, and when we when we first met, she groped my chest and she asked me, "How oh. do you work out?" And <laughs> this part is where it gets fuzzy. Okay.
1: Part, <laughs> part is where it gets fuzzy. The groping this part is where
0: it gets so fuzzy. No, okay.
1: Continue, continue.
0: <laughs> but uh, so then we exchanged information. Um, we went out. I called her that night, we went out on a date. She didn't think it was a date, but it was definitely a date. And I we bought
1: went. my own ticket and my own popcorn. I told him I did not date clients. Oh.
0: So
1: well,
0: we're married. So it was a date. Ah! <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> So anyway, so we then we just started hanging out. You know, she was around my house so often that it was like common law marriage. Again, I was it, just like, you know, we might as well make this thing official. And two years later, we got married.
1: And that is so not true. Because oh. I'm like, I moved in with him. <laughs> and, you know, you already know my background. I'm a Christian young woman. I would not have had my daddy come here and pull me out of his house. So that part is not true. <laughs> but I will say that our friend Lance, who was our, our mutual friend who uh, introduced us, uh, it was very serendipitous because like Khalil said, we were both in borders. I was leaving and he was entering and we, you know, we exchanged glances. My version is so much more romantic. So we exchanged glances and then uh, true enough, I walked out to get my charger for my laptop and I came back in and I saw him um, and I really just kept going on with my work. And I saw Lance, our friend walk in and he and I became reacquainted. We hadn't seen each other in two or three years. So uh, Lance, like, I'd like for you to meet my friend. And sure enough, it was the guy who had been stalking me, right? <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, and I had been in this season where I was really focusing on my career, focusing on my, my faith journey, um, like really trying to get fit and healthy, doing all these things to just prepare for whatever was next in my life. For almost two years, having no idea that the day I met Khalil, you know, I would understand what God was preparing me for. And so our friend Lance introduced us and he told Khalil, which I found out later that he needed to ask me out, that I was the one. Um, he said, I've known her for years and I know what you need. She's the one
0: for you. He also said when we first met, he's like, what the wedding date?" He did. <laughs> oh. Which is really, really funny. Like he called it like instantaneously. Instantly. That's instant- awesome.
2: So you owe it all to Lance. Yeah. Yeah.
0: He was the keystone.
3: It would be interesting to ask Lance if, if there was some groping that day or not, like,
1: well, I don't know. <laughs> I may or may not have touched his muscles, but. <laughs> She's touching uh, him now. Him.
2: I think she, I think she likes the muscles, Khalil.
3: That's interesting. And now you've been married
1: how many years? 11,
0: oh, 11 years? 11 years.
1: In June, it was 11 years.
0: And you
3: have two kids.
0: Yes. Eight-year-old Salah and four-year-old, four-year-old
3: Salah just turned four. So it's interesting hearing you share, Nicole, about like you were kind of preparing for this next phase of life, trying to figure out what was going to happen next, which mm-hmm. is interesting. That was how many, 12, 14 years ago? Yeah,
1: 13 I, years ago. And would mm-hmm.
3: you say like that's been a continuous journey? I mean, I, I know you guys and you both have been – kind of on this pursuit of trying to find your purpose for a long time. Would you unpack that a little bit?
1: Oh, certainly. I absolutely would say it's been a path that's continued. Um, And for me, I kind of have a point of recollection when I became aware that I was starting a new journey or an extended path because I moved to Atlanta in 2001. um, And between 2001 and 2005, after graduating law school, I was really trying to figure out what it is I wanted to do that would bring me joy, and that would really make me happy. And I just kept feeling like God was trying to reveal something more to me. So I started in January 2005, I started going through uh, periods of like fasting with my church, um, reading more books and just trying to dig deeper to figure out what that thing was. Um, and I always knew that I was supposed to help people, um, that I love. I love learning about my faith and my spiritual growth. But I couldn't tie the pieces together. Um, and so from 2005 until 2007, I was on that path. Um, I really didn't do anything but work out, <laughs> eat healthy. I would extend the periods of fasting and praying, talking, reading books, talking to my parents, not really dating, actually not dating at all and just kind of drilling in. And so when I met Khalil, it felt like a light went off. We started talking about things that we had in common. And surely enough, he had been doing very similar things, trying to seek a higher purpose spiritually to figure out what it is God wanted for him. And I think it was like when we found each other, we found kindred souls because we were doing the exact same things. We had the same workout regimen. You know, we had been doing the fasting with our churches, which was relatively new for both of us. um, And we were just trying to figure that out. And I think I recognized in him that he understood me, didn't think I was weird. (laughs) Mm. And he recognized that I understood that about him. And so we've just been on that continual path to really figure out what it is that God is calling us to do.
2: And how have you continued to try to encourage each other in that way? I mean, I know, you know, you've been a lawyer for a while and then there was a big career shift for you. Khalil, did you see that? Did you encourage that? What was the process in this kind of moving forward into encouraging each other?
0: Well, I mean, for me, it's just always been like, what really makes you happy? You know, mm-hmm. um, I was always taught to believe that, you know, find something that you love doing and find somebody stupid enough to pay you to do it. And like, you will just be a happy person. Right. Uh, and, you know, I could just tell like with certain things going on like that, it just wasn't bringing joy. Right. Right it was like this dread to go to work. it was just dread to, you know, kind of just be in, in the cycle, you know, and work wasn't bringing joy. So, you know, my, my, my challenge has always been like, you know, just find a thing that makes you happy, that really makes you happy. The thing that you really just get excited about that at two o'clock in the morning, it'll wake you up, you know, and you'll have an idea that you just want to jot down, you know, the thing that just, just excites you about life. And then, you know, just from that, I think we both realized that family was that thing, like for us, mm-hmm. especially once we had kids. Um, But just being able to invest time into our family, being able to invest time into one another, that has been the thing that we want to be able to do more so than anything else. So then it became a journey of how do we do those things? How can we make family time, also work time, also um, you know, fun time, right? And if we can find a way to bring all those three things together, then not a single day of life will ever feel like work for us. So mm. the journey has just been chasing after that.
1: And I want to just add to that and say that, you know, Khalil has always been that supportive person. He's like, from the time he met me, he said he could really just sense when I was happy. Um, but for me, my whole life had been about doing things that would end up in validation, acknowledgement and reward. So I thought that if I kept this career and did these things and looked this way, that it would make me happy and it would make my husband happy and it would make my children happy. But little did I know that that wasn't really the source of my joy. So Khalil just never stopped encouraging me to to find that part of me. Mm. And so, but for his encouragement, I don't know if I would have, if I would have started to seek the things that really bring me joy. Mm.
2: I think a lot of times as women it is almost um or we've been taught or kind of I don't know society I don't know something has been taught that that's almost kind of selfish or that that's um that we should be sacrificing instead for our family or for our people you know and almost sacrificing ourselves Was that something that was hard for you to do or was that something that you were kind of raised similarly in that way or did that not even kind of cross your mind?
1: No, absolutely. I was raised to believe that, you know, for me to be of most value to the earth, I had to sacrifice myself, you know. um, So how do we get over that? That's been the struggle. (laughs) I struggle with it this morning, (laughs) you know, I struggle with it this morning to even, do the things to take care of myself to even be ready to speak to you, you know, because I'm, I'm always finding reasons to self-sacrifice even when it's not necessary. Um, and it's hard. I'm, I'm having to relearn um, what it means to show love and to receive love. And that sometimes, you know, that self-sacrifice is oftentimes it's more for me than it is for the people that I'm trying to help because then I'm not able to really you know, be who I am and be full for them. Mm-hmm. So it's been a struggle. I watched my mother my whole life always do for other people and never do for herself. You know, I watched mm-hmm. my my aunts and my grandmothers and they all had spouses. And my dad was very present in my life. But, you know, I learned mm-hmm. from the women around me that this is just what you do. And you
3: kind of referred to this morning. Take us there for a second. Talk talk about this morning because it's real. It's fresh. Talk us through kind of what goes through your head because I have a feeling the same things that happened
2: to me this morning. Maybe (laughs) I'm just saying
3: it's probably
2: very common around all women.
3: Yeah. We're interviewing. Not uh, No, I'm just (laughs)
1: saying the same thing probably happened to me. So You should share. Yeah, Yeah, you
3: should totally share
1: so many things this morning. So we got up this morning and, you know, feeling like I have to be the one to get our whole family started for the day. I rise before everyone else. And I'm just like, everybody get up. And fortunately for us during this time, my mom is here with us and spending some time with us. So that is a a huge help. Uh, But I still, you know, I got up this morning. uh, I woke Khalil uh, and I woke my mom because we had, uh, we had an appointment. So we went out and we came back. Um, And then when we came back, I had a plan of things that I was going to do. I had some emails I was going to send. I had some calls I was going to make. But then my daughters came in the room and Khalil was in the house, but I didn't want to bother him. So I set aside what I needed to do and, you know, tended to the needs of the four-year-old and the eight-year-old, even though they were in the house and they were safe, they were clean, they were fed. I still felt the need to kind of hover over them, as my husband says. So I doted on them and then set aside the things that I needed to do for myself. Um, and so then I, I was talking to my mother and conversation with her. And I said, oh, well, my mom needs my time right now, so I can't take time for myself. So I sat and I had more conversation with her. Um, And then in preparation, even for our conversation with you, as the the time was ticking, I still found other things that I needed to do. You know, I needed to pay a bill or I needed to make a snack or, you know, it's like I always find things that I need to do for other people. Um, And so today wasn't really anything out of the ordinary. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just, I find it difficult at times to prioritize the things that are important to me, you know, that will allow me to really show up. So then in this
2: way now, you're showing up flustered, depleted, kind of extended all your energy. You're saying you're showing up then to a space in that way versus if you would have taken that moment and that time in the morning for you. So real. Yeah, Yeah, it
3: is. I mean, that's why I'm glad you share that, because there's so many people that are going to listen to this and go. I did that same thing this morning. Why did I do that this morning? Like The kids
2: were fine. (laughs) Everybody was alive and fine. And yet, yeah.
3: Yeah, I didn't take care of myself in the midst of all the things. So I appreciate you being vulnerable in that way. My
1: pleasure. You all always bring that out of
3: me. Yeah, we always make you cry. It's good. (laughs) It's
1: good. good. (laughs) Yes, you do.
3: So all that to say, you've been on this journey as a couple the last, you know, 12, 15 years. Even you're still on this journey you just shared this morning, kind of internal journey that you've been on. One of the cool things that we've gotten to experience through you as we've known you is to start to find purpose actually in partnership with your kids. And I'd love for you guys to share a little bit about that. Like the journey of like experiencing dreams of your children and then investing in that and and what, what has happened through that whole experience. <laughs>
0: That's happy to share that. I mean, it's, I feel like it's just been, it's just been so awesome. What, this was four years ago? Just about. Just about four years ago, we had decided like we were working just like t- crazy hours between the both of us. Nikki we was working for the Department of Education um, and I was working way up in Lawrenceville and mm-hmm. I was maybe getting, because it was 40 miles each way from my mm-hmm. commute. So I was maybe getting 30 minutes of FaceTime with the kids every day. A newborn. A newborn at that. (laughs) And a four-year-old. And so I had a stressed out wife who I wasn't present enough to be there for her. My kids who weren't seeing me. And then I could just see the stress on all of our faces. Like, and it was weird because like on paper, we were doing the best we had ever done, right? Mm -hmm. Financially, we were doing the best we ever done. Like career-wise, we were doing the best we had ever done. But just being at home, it just felt like we were at the worst that we were because we just weren't. Able to spend time with each other. So we said that, you know what, it wasn't working. And we went off and decided we were gonna go on a retreat and come up with a new life plan, right? And
2: (laughs) new (laughs) life. That's it. We need a new life.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Like this is just not working for us. And we decided from the beginning we were gonna do it together. So we had to come up with a new plan. Exactly. So we dropped the kids off at the in-laws and we went and got ourselves an Airbnb and locked ourselves in there for three Three days, days. three days, locked ourselves in there, whiteboarded out this entire new vision for where we were going to (laughs) go. Right. And in that, we decided that, you know, we were going to invest our time in in each other and we wanted to do something as a business, as a family. Meanwhile, Salah had been asking us to write this children's book. Right. She had been pestering. To write the book. And like, we just were so busy. We just were like, you know, here's a paper, a pencil, like, go draw something, right? And
1: <laughs>
0: what did she know about writing a I mean, a she's, real four. Book? she's four. She's four years, years old. She's four at right? this time. Yeah. Yeah. She, yeah. And she was four. So it was just like, here, go draw yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. And we did that. We went off and had the plan. And it's crazy how God works because we went and had the plan. And like, shortly thereafter, like, we both lost our jobs in the matter of a week. So. Yep. Our like, lives exploded. Our lives expl- literally exploded. We had just moved, and I lost my job on a, Thursday. On a Thursday, and she the, lost her job the following the, Thursday. The following <laughs> Thursday. So,
1: wow. And we both were high performers in our jobs. We couldn't even have seen this coming.
0: Yeah. At all.
1: Wow. So
0: it was like one of those things. I said, like, "Well, I guess we got to start working that life plan we talked about." And mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um. During that time, Salah came back up to me and she was like, Look, Daddy, you said you would help me write this book. You don't have a job anymore. So now you need to help me write my book. You got plenty of time. So
3: I said <laughs> when your four her. year old's like, You ain't got a job no more. You're, you're like, what <laughs> is
1: like, pretty much what it was. I better listen. That's exactly how it
0: went down. <laughs> I was just like, Who are you talking to, kid? <laughs> <laughs> I got things to do. But meanwhile <laughs> like, let me write this book <laughs> but um yeah so I, I think god works in mysterious ways mm. and it was i remember when nikki called me and told me that she was losing her job um i was in front of this street address it's 9 11 faith street and faith 9 is this number that always has come to me like throughout my entire life and i was walking back from program in front of that house she gives me the call and I just look and I, I see that address on this big bronze sign right there. And I just started laughing and and she was just like, "What are you laughing at? I just lost my job and um I just told her I was just like, "Look, God's up to something, and you know this how could I be on nine in front of nine eleven faith Street if this wasn't wasn't what was supposed to happen and mm-hmm. So from that point on, we just really just dove all in with the girls. And that, I think that's, you know, started with Salah. And it just awakened so much in both of us. It's, I think we have Salah's vision and like what she wants to accomplish and just her, her, I don't know, her energy, everything is yeah. just turned on something childlike in us also. Mm-hmm. It's just like, yeah, we can do all these crazy things that you're talking about. Um, and cause I think as we've gotten older, like life tells you, you cannot do things and yeah. children don't view life through that perspective. Mm-hmm. And we just were living life. So she turned on the ability for us to see that we could do anything also, you know, along with her. So
1: I agree a hundred percent because we knew when we got married that growing together and building a family was very important to us. Um, and we talked about what it would be like to build a legacy with our children, but I don't think we really dug into that until our daughter challenged us. Like, what does that really mean? Because in my mind, it meant having a nine to five, getting a, a you know, a good paycheck, living, you know, living a, a normal life um, and not doing anything extraordinary, which is kind of odd because. In and of ourselves, we've always, as individuals, felt like we had extraordinary gifts and talents and ideas. But I think before Salah challenged us, we were too scared to act on them. Mm -hmm. And now, I mean, once we lost those jobs, we were just like, what else do we have to lose? We might as well try it, you know. Um, And as Khalil said. We felt like God was speaking to us and was kind of orchestrating things. The universe was conspiring in our favor. We had to remember that it's like never is anything for our bad; it's always for our good. Mm-hmm. So we just started leaning into that and looked at the trials as opportunities to grow. Um, and it's just continued to grow. Our families, our family unit, has grown stronger uh, because we tend to we look inward now instead of looking outward for validation and for reward and for acceptance. And it's just been amazing. Like I feel like a completely new person mm. um, just over the last two or three years because of that.
3: Mm-hmm. But a princess pirate? Now come on now. A princess pirate. <laughs> so what how did that come about? How was that was that a, a family collaborative uh
0: character scenario? Or how did it come how oh, did it happen?
3: Oh, yes
2: a lot.
0: <laughs> That was a Salah thing when when she said, I want to write this book. um, I was just like, all right. When I was unemployed and she attacked my character. um, (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, so you want to write a book? What are you going to, what's your book going to be called? She said, Penelope the Pirate Princess. I was like, very specific. Hmm. Like, why Penelope the Pirate Princess? And she said, well, Daddy, you're a Raiders fan and Raiders are pirates. And Mommy is a queen and princesses are queens in training. So Penelope, the pirate princess, she said it in this very, duh, matter of fact way. And she actually did. And what's so funny about that is
1: that just the Halloween prior to that, she'd insisted upon a pirate princess costume. She's like, mommy, I really want to be a pirate like daddy, but I also want to be a princess. We still didn't put the pieces together. So I went on this hunt to find her this costume, not realizing that she was building this in front of Yeah, yeah. That was her birthday party.
0: It was even a private princess Let theme me give party. you
2: all the signs, mom right? and dad. <laughs> I am pointing the way for you.
0: Meanwhile, just flying over our heads. Yeah, like, oh, that's okay.
3: So uh, as you guys have been on this journey and it's grown and there's been hard times and fun times in the midst of this. I mean, I think about the two of you outside of your kids. Has there been times you look at each other and go, what are we doing? Or, or is it like, this is the journey we're on to get how have you guys been encouragement to one another or kept you know kept yourself going through the through this uh startup project
0: man i will say like it has not been easy right it it has been i think when you start working together on stuff it exposes like a whole bunch you just work it's more than just family life and everything it's just
1: People are different. <laughs> because it's one thing to love your spouse, but spend 10 hours a day away from them. You right. know, 10, 12 hours a day working. Uh. So you come home and you have dinner, you might have a little, you know, personal time, whatever, maybe, maybe not, because you're tired. And then you go to work the next day. But when you are faced with that person, it's like, who are you? On a on a daily basis, inside and out, it's like. Different story, yeah, it's a very different story,
0: but I will say it prepared
1: you. I mean, it's COVID now, so I feel like y'all
2: have been preparing.
0: Look, we were so (laughs) we talked about how thankful we are for that for the fact that we've been doing this together for like the past three years because we felt like we were so prepared for COVID. We're like, ah, this is fine, we've been prepping for this all already.
1: (laughs) We already have the tools, (laughs) like, we know what to do when we start getting on each other's nerves. We remember from love or work, then we're on the same team. So we, we like <laughs> get back to each other. We find different rooms in the house. You
0: we know how to keep kids, kids occupied already and get them engaged and stuff. And, you know, people are trying to figure out how to do like remote learning and, you know, handle their kids and whatnot. We're like, oh, here, we've already done this before. Take these kids. <laughs> yeah. That's Use awesome. Them.
3: Now there's another project I'd love to ask you guys about that's more recent um, and very timely. Uh, the that you guys have launched called Amplify Love, and just can you share a little bit of the heart behind that and, and what you're hoping hoping happens through that kind of campaign?
0: Yeah. Um. So Amplify Love, you know, came out of a point of like frustration for us both, right? You know, we're just sitting around and like, seeing all the stuff going on on TV and seeing everything going on in the world around us, and it just felt like very frustrating because, you know, it for both of us, it's just we felt like, you know, so many people are quick to dismiss the pain that's communicated from our community mm-hmm. as, you know, a farce, as a lie, as people just exaggerating things. And, you know, here we are as two individuals who on paper have done everything right, right, who have, you know, gone to college, you know, gotten great jobs, you know, and everything else. But we have still experienced these things on a regular basis, right? And by these things.
2: We're talking about racism, yes. Yeah. Avert
0: racism. yeah. Overt racism. Yeah, overt racism. Like from childhood growing up, which I'll let you expand upon, to like just every day just driving while Black, getting pulled over for no reason, you know. It's So we had experienced these things, and it was just, we just felt like we are at a breaking point because it was, like, here we go with the spin of the story again, where it's just, you know, starts off a, a protest and then it's the vilification, right? Mm-hmm. It's been the same program over and over and over again. And for mm-hmm. us, we just know the, the importance. We know that one of our things that we do well as a family is tell stories, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that we are good at is getting stories out of people, pulling that out, right? And we felt like it was important for us as a community Um, to be telling our authentic stories to the world and amplifying those out, right? So those people, white people who do not have Black friends, which 70% don't, which is crazy, the stat that that I read was, um, was that, hey, look, you know, the misinformation you see on television, the misinformation you get in media is not who we are as a community. And more importantly, we're all humans in this world just trying to survive and thrive and live. And, you know, it's... If you, we just want everybody to see each other as humans who are just trying to live their best lives and just, you know, but also just don't be so dismissive of what's really going on. Cause these are real problems that exist that affect us, that affect our kids, that affect our loved ones. But I'll let you jump
1: And I would just say, um, Amplify Love really grew out of our heart space um, because as Khalil spoke to, we both have experienced a lot of pain due to racism. Um, And for me, it started at a very young age when I was a young child. You know, I grew up in a rural town in South Carolina in the 80s, early 90s. And I was met with overt racism that you would hear about happening in the 50s and 60s. So it kind of got my whole perspective jaded. And from there, I spent the rest of my life trying to prove that I was smart enough, that I was good enough, that I was pretty enough, that I was talented enough. So I was always in this work, work, work methodology. And then I felt that um, my husband had the same type of experiences. And so with that as our backstory, I think when the everything just erupted in our country, uh, especially with the killing of, of George Floyd, it really struck a nerve with us like it did with most people. And we recognized that it wasn't just a pain for Black people, it's a pain for white people and other Americans who have a heart and who care about humanity, but nobody can express our story and our pain like we can. Mm -hmm. And so I watched Khalil struggle as a black man in America who's been a victim of police profiling and brutality. You know, I watched him real and I in pain and I encouraged him to use what he's good at to tell his story so that other people could hear his pain. And we had no idea that so many people would connect to the truth of who he was. And it wasn't just that he was a Black man, they connected to his humanity, being a man, being a father, being a son, being a friend. Um, And it started to grow organically. We didn't have any intentions of starting a social movement for social justice, but it started to grow around us. And we have always leaned into that part of ourselves that, helps us build community around us and give voice and validation to people and unite people. We tend to be pretty good at doing that. So we're using our our voices through Amplify Love to do that, to bring together our friends who look like us and who don't look like us, you know, who care about what's going on in the world and give everyone a seat at the table to be able to hear our story.
0: And, and I think out of it, you know, for us, it's like, at the end of the day, it's about unity, right? Mm-hmm. Like this you know, where we're at right now as a country, we need healing. And it's about bringing people together, not driving people apart. Um, And, you know, finding the common ground is, we all have far more um, things that we have in common than we have that we have apart. But we seem to start with what we have apart versus what we have in common. Um, And, you know, for us, it's just like, how can we just bring this stuff together, bring these stories together and really move in a space, move in a direction of unity, um, and solutions versus just pointing fingers and yelling at each other and saying how wrong you are and how stupid you are for not believing by the way yeah. I view the world through my own eyes. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, we just hope that we can help drive towards unity and bringing people together.
2: It sounds like it's also been healing for you, probably, right? To be oh, able yes. to express your pain and mm-hmm. your story, right?
0: Absolutely. Because, you know, for far too often we're in these situations where you're made to feel like your voice, your story doesn't matter. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what you have gone through isn't a thing, you know, and being able to express that, the you know, the real story, the, be our real transparent selves, authentic selves um, and have that be received. It's cathartic, right? Because this is stuff that you're just holding on to, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and I make this analogy all the time, but oftentimes it has felt like going into the world, especially in some certain toxic work spaces, that we had to put on armor to go into those spaces mm-hmm. just to do our job, right? So it's this extra weight that we're carrying through life, mm-hmm. right? And and that's you know, that is exhausting. <laughs> and yeah. Um, you know, you just want people to be aware of these things. You're not blaming people and say, hey, it's your fault. You know, I think people, sometimes people take things and when you mention something that's of discomfort, they, some folks take it as blame. But it's to like, it, but we have to acknowledge that problems exist mm-hmm. and be willing to listen to one another, you know, from a real just open heart and an open mind.
1: And I think we both recognize from our experiences, our relationships uh, that we have with our friends, that it's our authenticity and our truth that really brings our friends together. And we have such a diverse group of friends. Um, and we noticed that those relationships were built because they knew us, not stereotypes of us, not assumptions of us, but because they knew us. Mm-hmm. Um And so that just made it seem like a natural, process, if people can get to know people, um, specifically Black people who are so often vilified, you know, by our society um, and the systems at large, if we can expose the truth of who we are to give other people the opportunity to know us, then we can break down some of the doors of of hatred um, and bigotry. Because when you know people, you tend to not hate them. You tend to be a little more open-minded and a little more generous um, with your time and with your with your compassion. Mm-hmm. When you know who people are, you know the truth of their character.
3: Yeah,
1: Empathy is a thing.
3: Thank you so much for sharing that and being a part of this project, really sharing that project with so many of us. I think it's, it's only just getting started, which will be fun to see the journey with that. The two of you kind of, you're a little different than anyone we've interviewed because... Huh. They've actually read our book and have <laughs> been through all the I, they have. And now it was, when the, it's funny
2: cuz a lot of times we're explaining the podcast and the project, <laughs> you know, before we start the interview, and for them I'm like, y'all know everything. No, yeah. so here we go. Ready?
3: <laughs> so, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, that was back in January that you guys went through this with us and it was a fun group that we all kind of read through together. I guess I'm curious um, since in the last, you know, eight months, like as you guys have been wrestling through things together in very close proximity, <laughs> <laughs> what's some more recent things you guys have been learning about your relationship and, and finding ways to grow closer together?
0: Um, so I think one thing I really took from y'all's book, just reading that thing, uh, reading the book was just celebrating taking the time to celebrate like victories, right? And then also building in the time for us to get away together. Like, yeah. and just have one-on-one time yeah. has been super important. Like we started walking together in the mornings now. Uh, we wake up, we're out the house at six o'clock and we go on a three mile walk in the morning and just talk, right? Mm. And this was something that we just weren't doing before. It's also helpful that our mother-in-law stayed with us Mm so (laughs) that somebody can watch the kids, but just having that one-on-one intentional time has been huge. And even before she came here, just making sure that we were getting more time together for dates, right? More time, FaceTime with one another, you know, sans kids. Uh, So I think... In doing that, and being able to spend that time together, I just feel like we've gotten to know each other better. And you know, how does that help us on a day to day? It's just like now, it's like you know, I know what's going on in her mind, the the stress points that are you know afflicting her, right? So I can think to myself, like, how can I help to relieve some of that stress, or how Mm -hmm. can I be there to like pick up some of the pick up some of the work that need that needs to get done, or something, you know? Or just just being able to like. You know, ask questions about what she's reading, or you know, because her, uh, her and her mother have been reading books together. So, being able to ask questions about that and how that's going on, so just being able to just. I think something I've taken from it is just being able to be more intentional about spending time together and then celebrating our victories at the same time, especially one-on-one minus the kids.
1: Mm. I would agree that that was huge because we lost so much of ourselves to our work when we were working for others. Well, Khalil still works for someone else, but he works from home, of course, during the pandemic. But we would give so much of ourselves to our work. And then so much of ourselves to our kids that we just didn't save anything for each other. Um, and we started to feel the toll of that deficit, you know. And so, reading your book, absorbing it, being forced to sit at home with each other <laughs> for six months to soak it all in uh, has been probably, I would not probably, the best thing that could have ever happened to our relationship. We have grown more in the last six months. Closer to each other, um, stronger in our connection with each other, more focused on what our visions and our goals are for our family, um, more so than we have in the past 13 years that we've known each other or 11 years that we've been married. Um, and so, out of this time of kind of turmoil and uncertainty, we've been able to really lean into each other. And we took a lot of valuable lessons from your book because for us, love and work will happen successfully <laughs> simultaneously. Like we committed to that. And we know that we are, for me, the mantra of we are on the same team helps every single day. When I start to create the narrative in my head Mm -hmm. that, oh, he's mad at me or, oh, he's going to think this. I'm like, no, we're on the same team.
3: I think it's so funny. You guys have your work team is your partner and your daughter, which that is like a whole nother level of crazy. Does she get final creative control? Or who who gets the final say on all the projects?
0: She doesn't get final control because if we let her have final control, she would <laughs> like everything would be unicorns and, and sprinkles and slime. And slime. So
2: <laughs> we got a we got a slime kid too. Right Man,
3: now. our daughter right now she she makes slime every day. It's like how I much s- glue can you use?
2: Seriously,
0: <laughs> she we bought buy- so much glue. We she bought, is using in- her
1: allowance to buy glue. <laughs> we had to buy it in bulk. Yeah. They had it on Amazon for 50 cents a bottle. So we bought like 50 bottles. And I think more than half of them are gone.
0: It was so crazy. It's like, we encourage like creativity, but like coming downstairs, because they put glitter in the slime too. Yeah, like so, glitter
2: but, bomb everywhere.
0: Oh my goodness. And All it doesn't the, go away. No. Matter no. What you're back, it's, <laughs> in it's in your eyelashes, it's in your beard. It's, in, it's everywhere. But
1: the beauty of our, of our visionary daughter, Salah, is that she finds a way to, Pull it back into the creative process. She's like, Daddy, I'm just expressing myself. And she ties it into Penelope the Pirate Princess and the new book, uh, A Very Bad Case of the Glitter Spot Dots. She's like, Daddy, I'm recreating the book with all of the glitter and the trail of glitter in my wake. And he just buckles and buys more glue. So.
0: <laughs> and more glitter. <laughs> Well, that was the thing, like, you know, for us, like, seeing all this creativity out of both kids, it was just like, okay, like, channel that creativity into the stuff that you've already been creating, right? Um, And that's, you know, because even for us as adults, it's so easy to like, oh, here's a new thing I like, here's a new thing I like, Mm -hmm. I want to just go grab and do all the different things, right? Mm Because it seems exciting in the moment for, you know, with the kids. It's now, it's just like, hey, you want to do that, channel that into what you're already we're working on. So if you're gonna make glitter, since in your book you learn about slime, since you in your book you learn about the galaxies, why don't you teach us how to make galaxy slime with glitter as the stars, right? So, Mm, you know, we started the whole thing with her, just filming her doing all these things that she likes doing, um, to make as extensions, educational extensions for teachers to do with do with kids in school and whatnot. Uh, which we've been working on relentlessly for the past 3 months so it's it. like just activating that creativity mm-hmm. into the right space has been something that's been awesome
1: and having our our 4 year old you know this is all she's ever known so for her everything is the arg mighty kingdom and everything is empowered readers and so she's always in that space even when she's having fun creative things that she's doing she's always in that space so it encourages us to really make sure that we're tying our family and the things that we love and the fun and creativity into our everyday projects that we're doing for our businesses.
2: I love it. Well, y'all are amazing and we are down to the final question. That we ask everybody and that you already know, is it possible to change the world, stay in love and raise a healthy family?
0: I say yes it's hard as hell, but i say <laughs> yes, it is absolutely possible. But I think if if we are willing to put as much time and effort into working for other people and to work for other people's dreams, if we can put that much time and effort into working with each other, working with family, or working on things that will change the world, it is 100% possible. Mm-hmm. And I agree that it is absolutely possible.
1: Um, but like anything else in life that's worth having, you know, it's worth working for, and it's a continual process. You know, you can never give up, even when it gets hard. And we can see our own lives as an example of what happens when you continue on the course, even when you come against obstacles. So even when he gets on my nerves, or <laughs> a project doesn't go the way I think it should go, <laughs> I'm confident that we are on a divinely ordained path. And that, I believe that central component, our faith and our belief that God in the universe have a plan for us and that we're on that course we just feel like it's possible I mean it absolutely is otherwise we wouldn't be here and we feel like that that's our life's calling is to show people that you can succeed in these areas of life if you're just true to who you are and you listen to that call in your heart
0: wow. if it's not possible she's going to kick me out the house
1: yeah
3: <laughs> <laughs> and now it's time for the breakdown
2: I made somebody cry Did you? I did make Nicole cry, I feel like. I made her cry. I'm usually the one crying and tearing up. And I mean, her tears then made me cry. But usually I'm the one crying. (laughs) I feel really bad.
3: Yeah. You shouldn't feel bad. (laughs) It was beautiful still
2: to hear even the emotion of realizing that, like, that self-sacrifice, even when not necessary, is like this thing that we constantly do. And I think specifically more as women. I don't know if you feel that as much as a man, but women.
3: (laughs) I don't feel that much.
2: But women, we do this. I cannot tell you how much we do this.
3: Yeah, for sure. Why don't men do this? Isn't it even, I mean, she called it self-sacrifice, but I wrote down the progression of that is actually self-sabotage. Right? Oh, look at you with the with the extra words. <laughs> I s- shifting from self sacrifice to self sabotage. Four S's. Right My there. lord! But no, really, like sacrifice sometimes can be good for yourself, but like going so far where you really negatively impact the ability to care for yourself.
2: Wow, that's good, babe.
3: That's good. Well, no, it's not. I mean, it's good. It's actually not How, good at all. What,
2: <laughs> I get that, but I'm just saying like,
3: but I think that makes the more
2: sense with what you're saying. Cause I think women, especially we struggle with this idea of sacrifice because we've been taught that that's, that's something you should and that's something you should do. Right. So when you change the word, it makes more sense.
3: Yeah. Because it's, it's at times killing yourself, right? Like right. that's a strong word to use, but I, I think that's the tension in it. Is like when you're caring for so many other people over yourself. So why don't why don't men
2: do this? Why why don't you do this? I, unpack this for me.
3: Well, I do think that there's times that we do do it in a different way. I think I feel, and I've talked about this before on the podcast, the responsibility of the things that I'm supposed to care for. But I, I wouldn't say that I with do work. it. work. Yeah, I wouldn't say that I do it oversaturated so much that it becomes hurtful to me. Hmm. Um, I think I probably, you know, value <laughs> the value opportunity yourself. to, no, like value the opportunity to enjoy life by myself. You know, like, you know, for me, it's you have like, have
2: moments to yourself. Yeah. So you really value it.
3: I do. I do too, but how come I don't do it? I don't know. I have to kind of force you to do it sometimes, yes. which is kind of a weird place to I be I need as your you husband. to force me to. It so really, I'm like, no, you You know what? You're not allowed to stay here and help anymore.
2: I know. You I, need to go. I definitely need that from you a lot.
3: Do you appreciate that?
2: I do. I do. And I think, you know, listening, sometimes those of you feel listening, like if you do have a partner that struggles with this, that would be a blessed gift you give them. What do you mean? I do value it. I'm just grumbly already because I haven't had my time. Like I'm already sabotaging myself in a sense. So I'm already like grouchy and grumbly, I think. So then when you're like, well, you should go take time for yourself. I'm like, well, no shit, Sherlock. Like I'm in a bad place, you know, or like, you know, I feel I'm already feeling bad is what I think I'm saying. Mm. So anyways. It's rumbly. not that I don't need it because I really do. So then once I leave, I always come back
3: in a better place. Because sometimes you're like, well, don't tell me what I need. <laughs> don't tell me what I'm supposed to do right now. That's a weird place being a, married to someone <sighs> when you see it and you're like, well, should I intervene right now? What do I do in that moment? And I, and that's why I wanted to kind of camp out there for a minute because what would you recommend doing?
2: No, I think when you tell me specifically something I should do versus just saying, go take time for you, like leave the house.
3: Versus saying like, go do this.
2: Yes. When you tell me what (laughs) specifically I should do with my own time, that's when I get a little like
3: perturbed. This is good. I like this. I'm going to start kicking you out of the house.
2: Oh, please.
3: Please. I think
2: every woman listening is like, please, (laughs) please, partner, kick me out. Kick me out, please. I think part of finding your purpose, finding your dreams and that idea, you need to notice the things that make you emotional. Like the things that make you really angry and the things that make you really full of joy. Mm. Like I think we discredit the anger part. And we don't put emphasis on it because we view it as a negative emotion. But I think it's valid and it matters. And I think that both of their projects, their examples of both of their projects coming out of something that brought true joy with their daughter and doing something full and creative and fun. And then something that came out of frustration and anger and difficulty. And I think it matters. So we should pay attention to it.
3: Yeah, I I agree. Get angry with it. Yeah. It's a whole new campaign you could start.
2: (laughs) I just think you should sit in it. We just so often push it aside. And I think you should camp out there a minute.
3: So that's like only one of the feelings and the feelings chart that you could bring up. But like, that's, I think the, the deeper thing you're saying is like... The big
2: emotions that come up, you should pay attention to.
3: Exactly.
2: Any of them, but I'm specifically talking about for them. Yeah. The two that started their project. That's good. And also, one more thing. If you are one of the 70% of white people that don't have black friends, 70% Hmm. of white people that don't have black friends, I hope you will stop right now and go to Let's Amplify Love and read the stories because they matter and we need it in our lives
3: I agree on that note I um, want to thank Nicole and Khalil for joining us I want to encourage you to go check out Let's Amplify Love and also Penelope the princess pirate princess p- p- the p- pirate puppies. princess and We got to get going. I'm going to kick you out of here. Uh, You are kicked out of the house right now, out of the studio. And that's another episode of
2: Love or Work. Was recorded by our favorite, Matt Owen, for Soul
0: Graffiti Productions.